Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. How are you? Good to have you here in prayer school this morning. It's a glorious Friday. Hey, I missed you last uh, Friday. We didn't have a broadcast because of VBS, but here we are today. Uh, Let's prepare our hearts and let's get into the presence of God through the study of his word. And we talk exclusively on Friday mornings about prayer. It's essential for us to learn how to be effective in prayer. And it's interesting that we've learned a lot of things about prayer growing up that really aren't true or they're half-truths. And so we really have to dig in and some things have to be put down in the way that we have been praying. And then there's some other things that have to be picked up. And those things that have to be picked up is to first and foremost get into God's Word, find out what He says about prayer because He wants us to have all good things. That's why He sent Jesus. But he needs permission, and that's what prayer does. It allows God to move in our life and to give us what Jesus has purchased. Let's go ahead and believe God right now through prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to expose ourselves to your light, the light that is in the Word of God. And so, Father, we choose to be humble. We choose to be as a child We choose to simply believe what you say, knowing that this book is you speaking to us. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your help. We thank you for your enablement, that you are opening the eyes of our understanding and that you're causing our heart to see. Thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. I was just thinking as we were praying that All we have to do when we want God to speak to us is just open his book. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? All right. We've been talking about the prayer of salvation, and we've been taking, oh, my goodness, several months to talk about this prayer and to make sure that we're praying it according to the word of God, according to truth, because all prayer is based or all effective and prayers that are answered are based upon the word of God. The word of God is his will. And so he reveals to us that which he's provided for us. And so when we lift his word up to him, I heard someone say this one time, that that effective prayer is when you lift this book up to him and say, this is what you said. I'm asking for it now. And I believe I got it. Amen. And so many times we need to mirror and reflect his word back to him and to give him precedence and and to cause us to know that what we're asking for is not only his will but that he's also given us that faith to receive it and so the most important prayer that you and I could ever pray is a prayer that will impact our life for eternity and so that's why the prayer of salvation is so important is because of how it impacts our life and how long it impacts our life for and so I wanted to give us the, the parameters of what 
uh, an answered prayer looks like. Let's look at the skeleton or the, the, the very um, bare minimum outline of what answered prayer looks like. And all prayer that God is able to answer is prayed to him, God the Father, and we're asking in Jesus' name. So when you ask in that name of Jesus, you're, you're entering and, and gaining access to the Father because of what Jesus did for us. Number two, uh, our prayer has to be based on the Word of God. And I, I can't emphasize have to enough. When I pray simply because I have a desire or a need or a one, and, and that's all I'm looking at, I need this, I got to have this, and that sometimes becomes the focal point of our prayer. And that's the wrong approach. That's how we used to pray. God isn't moved by our desires. I know that that, that's, that sounds funny. Because God is love. Why wouldn't he be moved by our desires? Because he can only move through his son. Hallelujah. So God is moved by the word of God. And so all prayer must be based on the word of God for him to be able to respond to it. And number three, that while we pray, and most importantly after we pray, it has to come from our heart. What we're praying has to be an expression of what we believe. See, if I'm compassed and looking at my desire, then I'm losing track. It's, it's, it's really starting to come from up here, my prayer, because I'm going by the circumstances and how I feel. But you see, when I'm moved by what I believe in my heart, that's when your prayers are coming from the inside. So when you base your prayer on the word and you're believing in that word, then you're assured that you're praying from your heart. Now, asking for a salvation... God, I just tripped over my tongue. Asking for salvation is exactly the same way. Let's apply the skeleton that we just outlined on rules or guidelines for prayer and let's put it in terms of asking for salvation. So we're to ask God the Father to be saved or to receive Jesus or to receive salvation in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. See, we approach him in that name, and when we say amen, we're saying in Jesus' name I pray. And so the bookmarks of our prayer is encompassed in the legal access we have to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Number two, we ask for salvation in agreement with the Word of God. We don't go to Him and say, I'm asking me to save because I'm a good person and I belong to this church, and I, 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 I. And that's not, He can't answer that prayer <clears throat> because we bring nothing to the table to receive salvation. For, for that matter, any other thing. Because we don't deserve what he gives us, and we certainly haven't earned it. Prayer has got to be less of us and more of his word. And that'll take some time, because most prayer is done emotionally, and it's done based on feelings. And that just takes you right out of your heart. And many times that prayer doesn't go any further than the ceiling. So... We ask in agreement with the word of God. You said this in your word concerning salvation. 
I believe that word, and now I'm asking you for it. You see, now you're basing your prayer on what you believe in terms of what God has said in the word of God. And number three, you've got to pray the prayer of salvation from your heart. I think a lot of times people cry out to God in, in moments where they've been exposed to a fear or to, get, you know, because a lot of salvation messages are presented kind of with fire and brimstone. You're going to go to hell. You know, you're a rotten person. Da, 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 da. And that, what does that do? Stirs up emotions. But we are to pray from our heart. You see, with the heart we believe. And because salvation is spiritual, you're receiving it into that which is spiritual of your being, into your spirit. So you pray in a position of believing God. So we pray believing with our heart that God is answering our request. So years ago, I drafted a prayer to receive Jesus as our Savior. And in that prayer, I encompassed ingredients uh, from the Word of God, showing us that not only does this Word reveal that God has given this to us, but it also gives us something to trust and to believe in God and what He has said towards us, so we have faith to pray this prayer. So I'm going to use this prayer in a, in a way that we can show and, and reveal to us that when we do pray this prayer or a prayer similar to it, we can be assured because it's based on the Word of God and we're approaching God through the name of Jesus and we're believing what we're asking with our heart, we can have an assurance that we have received eternal life and that we are on our way to heaven. Now, don't... I don't want to give the perception that this is the only prayer or the only way you can ask for salvation. This is simply an example. Remember, I've told you several times in this study that when I cried out to God, I didn't really, <clears throat> I couldn't quote scripture. But I had the premise of who Jesus was, God and God in the flesh. And that he died for me, and I believed in his resurrection. I believed that he was alive uh, in that real time, in that moment I prayed. And I just cried out to him, and I said, come into my life. And I said it to God based on what I had known from Scripture, what I believed. Because I, I, I did have a lot of word in me. I mean, I went through three years of catechism. Every Sunday night, you know, I was at the church house uh, during the, you know, the school year, and uh, I was, they were giving me the Word of God. We were memorizing Scripture. I memorized the 23rd Psalm, yada, yada, yada. So I did have a, a, a foundation, so to speak. But I didn't pray this exact prayer that, I, that I'm using now as my example. But what I did pray came from my heart based on the Word that I did know. And guess what? I was saved. Boom. Amen. So I don't ever want you to think that, that when we teach things and that we're saying that this is the, the end all of all. It, that's not the case at all. We're, we're using these, these examples just to help us to learn. That's boom. Got it? All right. So here, let's look 
at the, the prayer that you actually pray to receive Jesus. And let's look at it from the reflection of the Word of God, or let's show you the Word of God of why we've included what we're praying in this prayer. So first and foremost, the prayer begins, Dear Heavenly Father. So we're praying to God the Father. I come to you in Jesus' name. Now remember, using the name of Jesus is what gives us access to God the Father. Hallelujah. The Bible says clearly that he speaks to us today through his Son. And so that name will open up to you access to the Father, and he's now listening to your prayer. I believe in my heart. Notice I didn't, I'm not praying and saying, you know, I feel in my heart, I think in my heart. Really, those are functions of your mind. You see, with your heart, you, you and I believe. That's what your heart is created to do, and that's how it expresses itself, through belief. So I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is your son. So we're establishing in this prayer that Jesus is God in the flesh. And it tells us in 1 John 4:14. 4, 1 John chapter 4 verse 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son, that's Jesus, to be the savior of the world. So if God is sending his son, then his son has to be God as well. Does that make sense? And so we're, we see from scripture that it's God who sent his son, God in flesh, to be our savior or that intercessor or, or that go-between between him and us. Verse 15 whosoever you see salvation is open to every every person you see God gave Jesus to the world for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so whosoever which includes me I salvation has been given to me because the son has been given to me whosoever shall confess and again, that's going to be talking from your heart. Your, what you say about Jesus in praying this prayer is coming from your heart. It's an expression of what you believe. I confess that Jesus is the Son of God and that God dwells in him and he in God. So we begin our prayer praying to the Father in Jesus' name. And we tell him what we believe about his son, about his gift. We believe that Jesus Christ is your son. The prayer goes on. And that Jesus died for me. You know, I like what people have said. I've, I've heard it multiple times. And it's, it's a good perspective. That if you were the only person on earth that needed salvation God would have sent Jesus just for you <laughs> and that's absolutely the truth he saw you when he sent his son to the cross he saw me when he sent his son to the cross 
That's pretty powerful. That reveals the love that he has for us. So we're praying that Jesus died for me. And we see this in 1 Corinthians 15, 3. And here's Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. This is his first letter to them. We call them epistles. He says, for I delivered unto you, meaning that he, he taught this, he, he preached this to them, that first of all, that which I received. So he got this by revelation from the Lord himself. How Christ died. Christ, the Messiah. That's really the title of who Jesus is in God. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the gift of God to the world. He died for what? Our sins. That's all of us. That means that he died for me then, if he died for my sins and my sin condition. So I told you that Christ died for our sins, and he did it according to the scriptures. You see, you'll see laced all through the 66 books of the Bible, which includes the Old Testament and the New Testament, how it's always been the plan of God to send his son. You see, God knew the end from the beginning. When he sees a need, he's already made an answer to the need. And that's where the devil really didn't have very much insight in, in terms of who God is and what he's capable of. Isn't it interesting that God knew that, that Lucifer what he was called before his fall and his transgression and rebellion against God, he knew beforehand what he was going to do. And so he already had an answer for what he was going to do. That's why God never sweats it. <laughs> he's never uptight. He's never worried. He's never concerned because he has already taken care of everything that he's going to have to supply a need for. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus died for me. The prayer goes on. I believe. Now remember how we keep repeating, I believe. Remember, what you believe expressed with what you say is coming from your inner man, is coming from your heart. When you start saying, I think or I feel and you know, I, I, I've reasoned out this conclusion. That's coming up here, that part of you that's analytical, that tries to figure things out. It, it, it sees and feels, and then it puts it all together and comes to a conclusion. That's not believing. That's reasoning. That's logic. That's coming from your brain. That interface between your spirit and the world. So, I believe after Jesus paid the price for my sin that you raised Jesus from the dead. This is a very key component to receiving salvation. Not only do we have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is God in flesh. He's more than a human being that was born on the earth. And that's kind of the downside of Christmas because it gives us 
We, we get so inundated with the birth of Christ, we sometimes lose track that he, he's never been born. Yes, his body was born, the body he lived in, but he's never been born. He's God. He's always been and will always be. So we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And that is essential to him not only paying the price of the sin that we owed, but it also reveals that he defeated spiritual death. He defeated the laws of sin and death that Adam allowed to come into the earth when he bowed his knee to Satan or the devil. So we include this in our prayer when we're asking for salvation because we believe that Christ was raised from the dead. Therefore, he was able to declare victory over sin and eternal death. Now, I've got three scriptures here. I'm, I guess I'm actually being an overachiever here on seeing this from scripture. But again, and, and, and please don't, don't let me make, don't let me tire you out about saying the same thing multiple times because I'm trying to emphasize that this is, this is huge. And this is what separates us from all the other religions in the world. Whoever they're following, whoever's teaching they're following, whoever's methods they're following, they're dead. They haven't resolved anything. They, they may have given people something to feel good about themselves in doing good works and being a better person, but they haven't resolved the sin issue and our separation from God. Only God can do that. And so when Jesus was raised from the dead, he revealed that he is God. And in a relationship with God the Father. And he also defeated what mankind and what man's religion couldn't. And that was to take the keys away from the devil. And I'll show you that here in just a moment. So, we're praying that we believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead, thus paying the price that we owed. 1 Corinthians 5, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 4. He says, and he, being Jesus, was buried. Now, when you, when you hear that he was buried, your mind goes to the grave. Your mind goes to the tomb in, where, in which they laid his body. Yeah, that's true. But this being buried is talking about in hell. You see, Jesus had to pay a spiritual price for you and I. Therefore, he went to a spiritual place when his spirit was estranged and separated from God. And when his body, as it says in Scripture, gave up the ghost, really that just means that his spirit slipped out of his body. That's why the body became lifeless. And then his spirit was buried. He was buried in a real place. We call it hell. And that's the place that all spirits go when they leave this earth if they do not 
have Jesus in their heart and don't have the life of God in them that has made them right with God. So he was buried and that he rose again. He became alive again. This is, this is when Jesus became the firstborn from the dead. He was actually born again in hell. And therefore he began to rise up because a recreated spirit can't stay in a place that's alienated from God, which hell is. So he went up to where he belonged, to heaven. And he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Revelation 1.18 says, I am he. This is Jesus speaking in a vision to John. He says, I am he that liveth. It would be better to say resurrected. I was dead, remember? He, he was buried. He, he, his spirit went to hell. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And so once Jesus was resurrected from the dead, thus paying the price and defeating devil in the grave, he will live forever. Hallelujah. And if you're in him, so will you. And then he goes on to say, I have the keys. Keys represent authority. I have the authority over hell. <laughs> Hallelujah. End of death. Again, spiritual death. Understand that in Scripture, there are three deaths. The first death is what we're most familiar with. It's physical death. That's when the life force of the body leaves the body. Through separation, the spirit leaves the body and the body dies. That's physical death. Second is spiritual death. This is who we were before Christ. When you were on the earth, you and I were dead, spiritually dead, in our trespasses and sins, and we were separated from God. Salvation is the solution for spiritual death. And the third death is eternal death. Eternal death is one who is spiritually dead on earth but never receives Jesus as their Savior. And so when they leave the earth, they will go to hell and they will be in that place of torment for eternity. They're eternally dead. So when you see this word death in Scripture, you've got to look at the contents of it and determine whether it's physical death, spiritual death, or eternal death. In this, he says, I have the keys of hell and of death. And so we know that that's talking about spiritual death because he's talking about defeating that which was a characteristic of hell itself, which is spiritual separation from God. Then over here in Romans 6, 9, again, we're talking about the part of the prayer that we believe that, that Jesus has been raised from the dead and now has victory over the devil. <clears throat> Romans chapter 6, verse 9. We know that Christ. Again, that's not the last name of Jesus. That's really his title, his position, his responsibility in terms of, of God and what he's doing on the earth. Being, so this is past tense, raised from the dead. Again, spiritual death. 
And because he's been resurrected, resurrected and he's spiritually alive, he will never die again. And understand, resurrection has a connotation. When we, when we experience resurrection, yes, eternal life is imparted to us. Our spirit becomes a new creature in Christ. We are in right standing with God. But also, re resurrection denotes that we now have authority over the devil and his kingdom. See, when you're saying that Christ raised from the dead, you're saying, yes, he paid the price for me and now has that gift of eternal life to give me, but also it denotes that we have authority over the devil, his kingdom, and his works, and his strategies against us. We have dominion over him. Hallelujah. We're no longer his subject. We can now lord over him through Jesus Christ. It says here that he will never die again, and death, Spiritual death and its works shall no longer have dominion over him. And because we're in Christ through the new birth, we also have dominion over death. What do you say we do one more? I actually, I, I think I have nine of these. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. No wonder it's taken us so long. <laughs> Let's look at number four. And you'll have to remind me next time where we ended up, all right? Remind me where we parked the bus so we can find it again. Now, let's look at the fourth part of this prayer. And remember, this is just praying down through this prayer to ask Jesus to come into our life. Now, the fourth statement and a fourth belief that we're declaring to God, according to Scripture, is, I now confess. And, and this... Sometimes we, we trip over this word confess because uh, the Catholic uh, religion has such influence in the world because it's the, it's the oldest uh, religion uh, since Christ. And uh, I think it's been around for 1,700 years. I, don't quote me on that. But I think it was conceived the, the, the 300th year after the after the conception of the church. And again, don't quote me on that. Ask, uh, ask Alexa or, uh, you know, Google what the answer to that is. Uh, but when we hear this word confess, we're thinking about getting closed into a little box in this dark little box that has this little screen window. And I only know this because I've seen it in movies. I've never been in a confessional. I didn't come up in the Catholic religion. But somehow we all heard about what goes on there. <laughs> and you're talking to a priest, I'm assuming, on that other side, and we're telling a man, you know, all the things that we've done wrong. Uh, yeah, confess, I mean, that's a part of it. But confess is just an expression of our heart, of what we believe. Remember, our heart has to express itself in order to function in uh, this natural world. In order, see, we're in a spiritual kingdom. And so we have to, in order to do things 
for and by the kingdom, we've got to allow our heart to be to express through what we call faith. It's, faith is creating what we believe. And so we, we, can, we use confession as a way to release what we believe through this avenue of faith to create what we believe. So see this word confess not as a negative thing. See this word confess as having the ability to express what your heart believes. I mean, we don't have any trouble expressing what our mind thinks, right? But when we start saying what the scripture says in our belief of what it says, that confessing of that is now creating that scripture in our life. Hallelujah. So understand that salvation is a creation. You're creating. Salvation is actually being created inside of you. Remember, you are a new creature. You are a new creation. How did that come to pass? The same way that God created the world. He said, light be. He confessed about the darkness, what he believed in his heart, which was light, and said, light be. And so... Him saying light be was his confession of what he believed. It was an expression of his spirit. And when he said what he believed, light was created. In fact, light's still being created. It doesn't stop. There's new universes. And the scientists concur that it's continuing to expand. That means it's continuing to be created. So words are powerful when they're spoken from our heart. And that's what you're doing in salvation. And so I now confess Jesus Christ. So you're saying what you believe about Jesus. You believe that he is Jesus the Messiah. I confess him as my personal Lord and Savior. That's like saying, Jesus, come into my life. You see, you're giving him the lordship over your life. See, salvation is entering into God's kingdom, his spiritual kingdom, by confessing that Jesus is the Lord and the Savior over this kingdom that you're confessing yourself into. You see, salvation is really accepting Jesus as your God. And you're placing yourself under him. That, that, that seems strange to us, doesn't it? When you, you put it out in, in, in that um, perspective. But that's exactly what it is. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm desiring and willing and asking you to be the Lord over me. Oh, glory to God. Don't get quiet on me now. <laughs> so this is an, obviously a, a, an important element in being saved. You've got to be willing to come under his toolage. You've, you've got to be willing to come under his authority. You've you got to be willing to allow him to be the Lord of your life. Hallelujah. 
Now we see this in scripture very clearly. Let's go on over to Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 9. I believe this is from the English Standard. It says that if you shall confess, remember, express what you believe from your heart about Jesus, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus or Jesus as Lord, again, un you're under him. You're placing him over your life. He doesn't do it by forcing himself upon you. That's what the devil tries to do. No, God is a gentleman, and he is looking for invitation. And so you're saying, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I'm receiving you as my Savior, someone to save me from my sin condition. And shall believe, so you're confessing what you believe by calling him Lord, and then you're believing while you're doing this in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. It says that thou shalt be saved. Isn't it interesting that religion gives us a lot of different ideas about salvation? A lot of those ideas are based on good behavior. Uh, this says that salvation is received with our heart. And the only thing that we're doing in terms of works, I don't want to say it that way, the only, only thing that we're doing that is revealing through our body and what we say that we're receiving salvation is just the expression of our heart, expressing what we believe. So we're confessing and believing and allowing Jesus to become over us to be our Lord. That means you're accepting what he's done for you. And that you believe that he's God in the flesh and that God has raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. And it says you shall be saved. If you want to boil it down, you, any person in the world can be saved by just th those two steps. Believing that which the Bible says about Jesus, that he's God and that he's defeated hell. And number two, act on that belief and ask Jesus to be your Lord. Confess him. And it says, you shall be saved or you shall receive eternal life. You shall be resurrected in your spirit. You shall be a new creature in Christ. You shall now be in Christ. You shall be on your way to heaven when you leave this earth. Glory to God. And the reason that's so is here in verse 10, and we'll, we'll finish with this verse. For with the heart, you and I believe. With our heart, man believeth unto a right standing with God. And with what you say about Jesus, and with the mouth, confession creates or is made unto salvation. <laughs> Whoa, glory to God. You see, salvation is an actual, it's an actual birth. 
It's not just a brownie point, okay, he did that, checked off. No, something real takes place. Your dead, fallen spirit, my dead, fallen spirit that caused us to be separated from God's life. We had no spiritual life in us whatsoever. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And when we believed in Jesus according to the scriptures and we confessed him from our heart as our Lord, his Holy Spirit came into us and resurrected our spirit and gave us eternal life. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him, hallelujah, receives eternal life. Glory to God. It's an actual reality. It actually takes place in this unseen realm of the Spirit in your heart. And now the Bible says that you're a new creation. And that which you were is bye-bye. And all that you have in front of you in the future what God has for you. Hallelujah. Well, that's it for now. I think we've gone long enough this morning. I trust you got some light. I trust that you've got enough light to share with others. And I trust you have enough light to give you a deeper assurance in your salvation. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word creates life and light in us. And it develops us and matures us and makes us more like you on the outside as we walk in that light. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you're blessed. Go somewhere. Be a blessing.